Hi, I'm James. Hi, I'm Emily. And, and cops, cops make, make us <laughs> uncomfortable. uncomfortable. You want to try that yeah. again? Hi, I'm James. Hi, I'm Emily. And, and cops make, make us uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Welcome to episode 66 of That Thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host, James J. Asher II. And I have a returning guest. What's your name? Emily. You just said that. Why do I need to know your name again? I don't know. You asked. Because I asked. <laughs> so cops make you feel uncomfortable? Yes, they do. How long have cops made you feel uncomfortable? Well, my first memory of cops making me uncomfortable, I went to a circus with my dad and my brothers, and my dad was detained and questioned for hours about a fake bill, supposedly, so pertinent to recent news. And me and all my brothers just had to sit there, and we got free popcorn. But I remember being terrified the whole time. Why is the fake bill detail pertinent to current news? George Floyd was detained because of a supposed fake bill. We'll talk more on that in a little bit. So, do cops still make you feel uncomfortable? They make me uncomfortable, and I'm scared of them. Why are you scared of them? Uh, just, you know, like, I I don't trust anyone that's willing to potentially harm me, and, like, I just don't want anything to happen to me. There's a long history. A long history? What do you mean by that? With you or in general? Just both. In general and with me. So, um, what, what specifically are you, uh, afraid of when there's a cop in your general vicinity in close or medium proximity to you? What's, what's your fear? What goes through your head? Mostly I'm just scared that I'm going to be shot or that they're going to think that I'm up to no good when I am such a guilty person already that I wouldn't do anything to get in trouble, but there's a fear. What do you mean you're such a guilty person that you wouldn't do anything already? Do you mean you're just like, you? what do you mean by that? I'm confused by that statement. I live my life in fear of doing wrong and, you know, anything could have a repercussion. I'm very aware of that. And I just don't want it to be perceived that I'm up to no good, which probably makes me look more suspicious just because I am always on edge. Anxiety and doesn't really help the situation. And how do you feel physically when there's cops around? Like what happens to your body? I have a panic attack. Um, specifically, like what happens in your body? What does it feel like? Heart palpitation, shortness of breath. Um, I start shaking uncontrollably. I have a hard time thinking around them. So if a cop comes up and starts talking to you and you're feeling that way and you have a hard time thinking, what happens Like if they say, hi, hello? I mean, I, I say hi, hello back, but I'm still scared. They usually know that people are uncomfortable around them. The ones that I've encountered. Really? The cops are aware? Yes. And how does, have you noticed, does that affect the way they uh, behave when interacting with you? In Texas, not so much. In Ohio, they're a lot more aggressive with me. Um, 
but Ohio's known for that sort of thing. Here, I can say that they've tried to make me feel more comfortable and, like, make jokes, which don't always land. Like, I have a regular, and he's very nice, and he would make jokes. At your job, you have a regular. Yes. So you you work in a public-facing job, right? Yes, I do. I work in a restaurant. But um, he makes jokes that I have an unpaid parking ticket or driving ticket, which I haven't driven a car in like over a decade. So I know that that's not the case. And if I were more uncomfortable and like, you know, if I were driving, that would probably set me into a tiz, even though I would know that I wouldn't have that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he's always nice to me. And, you know, like, it's just one of those things that ever since I was young, I'm uncomfortable and I get a little scared. Um, so you had a pretty early on experience with the police. Was that a one-off thing or was, uh, were there police around a lot? Uh, you don't have to go in too much detail. I'm just sort of asking generally, were cops like part of your life growing up? Yes. A whole lot. Uh, I remember another time my dad got pulled over because they thought that he'd kidnapped me. Um, and what did your dad look like? He, my dad is a very large former bodybuilder. Um, so he's huge. He looks very African American. He's Native American too. So the reason I have you as my guest is because I need a guest and we live together. Yes. And you're my best friend. Yeah. And also you're like... We were joking before I started this show. I was like, I'm having you on uh, because you're my token black, even though you're not technically black. As long as uh, that's what the outside world perceives, it's it's something that I have to accept. Like I do have darker skin and I'm proud of my black heritage as well as all of my cultures that are involved inside of this mix. So what do you consider yourself like ethnically? Multiracial. Okay. Um, but say to a stranger, you get confused for a lot of different ethnicities. I'm racially ambiguous, which does tend, people like to just guess what I am and they'll be like, Oh, well you're from here. And usually it's not what I am, but I'm like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Whatever you want me to be. Like you've gotten Indian. What are like, what are the ones off the top of your head? I get Pacific Islander, which I am part Fiji Islander. Uh, I've gotten a lot of Spanish. I've gotten Gypsy. I Gypsy. <laughs> yeah, I do have Gypsy blood on my dad's side too. You have a Gypsy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's whatever people want and see from me. That's what they think I am. And as a multiracial person, I feel like it's important to honor all of those. And to do my best to be aware of the history and what it means for me. And since I am darker skinned, I do know that I am black to most people. And that's what I am. Um, And so to most people thinking you're black, Mm -hmm. um, do you think that has had any sort of effect on your success in life, like your pursuit to live a comfortable, um, prosperous life? Uh, 
I'd say yes and no. I have been afforded different opportunities based on like who I've known throughout my life and like what I was raised to believe. Also, like my brothers were very mean and kind of racist to me when I was a kid because I have six brothers and two are white and four are mixed. We none of us look alike. But even with all of that like adversity, it taught me a lot about myself and being resilient and motivating myself to do things that I didn't think I would be capable of, like going to college. So you went to college, so you've got that going for you. Yeah. Um, you said your, your brothers are racist. Um, are. So who did you like, who, who did you grow up with? I grew up with my white mom and my white brothers. Now, um, the reason I ask that is because um, my sister was talking recently just about like, um, like she's just trying to wrap her head around like um, the difference in experience between, say, um, uh, families and communities um, of collection of people who may have more pigment in their skin than other communities of people who have less pigment in their skin. And she was talking about you and she thought like, you know, you grew up like she kind of made an assumption and like, it's not her fault. She didn't know any different. Um, but she kind of assumed that you sort of grew up in a sort of like black Atlanta kind of environment. You did not, right? No, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, which does have a very large black population and is a city. But the neighborhood that I grew up with was super diverse. I grew up around lots of different types of people. Okay, but at home, you were like raised basically in a white family, kind of, right? Yes and no. Uh, I mean, I was always aware of the fact that I looked different than my brothers, all of them. And including I looked different than my dad, too, and my mom. But... It was one of those situations where it felt sort of othering growing up, where I definitely knew that I stuck out like a sore thumb. People wouldn't think that my mom was my mom. They'd be like, where's your mom at? And my mom would be like, I am her mother. My brothers would joke and say that I was adopted, which my mom did not know until about last week when I told her. And she laughed at that. But, I mean, you know, it's one of those situations where... Yes, I was raised around white people, but I was always aware of the fact that I was different. And we grew up with a bunch of Native American artwork and went to powwows as a kid. Um, was your family, like, where did you guys fall socioeconomically? Were you well off? Were you comfortable? Were you dirt poor? Where were you socioeconomically? We were lower middle class like middle class for sure but it wasn't a lot of money i sold girl scout cookies to afford to go to summer camp uh and vacations and things like that but i remember like going to my friends houses and they had big brand new houses and like they got cars and that sort of stuff and it wasn't like that for me i mean my grandma that part of the family had money, but it was not there for me. Um, 
I'm curious about your the neighborhood you grew up in. It was residential, obviously. I grew up near a river, the Mad River, which makes sense. <laughs> the what? Mad River. Oh. <laughs> uh, if you walk like two blocks in any direction, you are going to be in a little bit more sketchy of a neighborhood. Or if you went like four blocks up, it was super affluent with really large houses and, you know, huge yards with pools and that sort of thing. We did not have that. So is what is is Dayton in general like a pretty clean, well-to-do city? Is the infrastructure nice and kept and everything like that? It's a very racially segregated city. Wait a second. Dayton's racially segregated? What do you mean by that? The West Side, which used to be where the Jewish families lived, when white flight happened, all of the Jewish families left, and it became an African-American neighborhood. So that's where most of the African-Americans are. Uh, Like, each neighborhood tends to have a majority of some race or another. What's white flight? White flight was a phenomenon that happened where... As soon as minority, like, you know, segregation started happening in different neighborhoods, the white families were scared and left, leaving a lot of economic wake. Like, it, it wasn't a good time. So these different neighborhoods, like um, people with similar ethnic and or religious backgrounds tend to coalesce together um, in these sort of like homogenous uh, characters in in different neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the, are are some of those neighborhoods more well off and are some kind of poor and rough? Is there different crime rates in different neighborhoods? (laughs) Yes. Oh yes. And there's a difference in the amount of police that you'll see in each neighborhood too, because the West side is, heavily policed. There's a lot of gang activity, a lot of drive-by shootings going on there. It's a little bit more dangerous, like less opportunities for people to rise up. Very bad school systems there. A lot of illiteracy and like people don't always graduate from high school. And and can you jog my memory? What kind of demographic of people lives in the West Side? It's African-Americans. And they tend to have more police, less money, less job and education opportunities, and even illiteracy. Yes. Hmm. Why? Well, we'll get into that later, but systemic racism. Systemic racism. I guess we will have to talk about that later. Um, I... I can, um, I can imagine the sort of alienation you may have felt. I mean, I can only begin to imagine, but um, my brother, people, when I visit with my brother and he introduces me to his friends or, or vice versa, um, they may not think that my brother and I are brothers, but um, we came out of the same vagina. 
It's just that we'd have different dads. Um, and my brother is Brown. Um, he's, I, I think it's like a little less than half. I like, I don't know if it's like a quarter or a third, but Mexican, my brother's, his, his dad's a Mexican, well, Mexican American. Um, and so his skin is a little bit lighter than yours. And it's a different kind of like a undertone. I'm a red brown. You're, you're. I'm red brown. He's, uh, he's kind of, um, I don't know. <laughs> kind of like olive gray, maybe a little bit. Oh, I mean, he's my brother. I can, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, I can remember several times when, uh, when I was little, even older, like as a young adult, um, where we introduced to one or the other's friends or something. And I'll say like, this is my brother and they'll grin and go like, <laughs> and then we're like, no, 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 really. And they'll look, they'll like squint their eyes and look really closely and they'll say, Oh, Oh, I think I can see it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's in the eyes. Yeah, you guys have the same eyes. Yeah. I can say growing up, my brothers really liked me when I was a baby. I got them a lot of girls. And then I learned how to talk and I would get them in trouble. So they didn't like me as much after that. But they would always say I talk like a valley girl. Um, yeah, they <laughs> they said some stuff to me. They, they would always make fun of me. They probably still would make fun of me if I talked to them all the time. But, you know. <laughs> they're they're old. They're nine and eleven years older than me, so there's a huge age difference between us, and the way that we were raised is completely different. How old my mom was completely different. My mom was a teenage parent with them, and with me, she was twenty eight when she had me. Um. Um. So, going back to towns being segregated i know that we live in austin texas Mm -hmm. and i know that austin um was built segregated did you know that yes i saw that in 2015 it was still rated one of the most segregated no shit how so um, I think it's about like the way that the road is or like where I don't know. I just saw the article. Yeah, like it was built specifically to keep um, white people in one section. I, for, I forget the locations. Like I think um, black families on the West End, uh, Mexican families on the East, and then say like, downtown and going north were for white people, right? Yeah, that makes sense. It still makes sense, even though they've really been kind of pushing out the African-American population here without, like, they've been outpricing everyone. And so a lot of our minorities and, like, all of the things that make cities so beautiful, all of the differences that we have, they make food great and cultures, different cultures to enjoy in art. It's all being pushed away. And when that happens, it's just scary and sad to me. Yeah, it's um, it's being like sort of culturally 
flattened and using that $2 word again, homogenized. Yeah. So it looks like every other fucking place that has been, what's the word? Gentrified. Gentrified. We live in a neighborhood that, well, the, you know, the journalist PC kind of way to say uh, in the process of being gentrified is a neighborhood is up and coming. Oh, yeah. And we live in an up-and-coming neighborhood, which is to say we live between like uh, one city block away each, uh, one north and one south from projects. Mm -hmm. That is very true. We live close to projects. We also live very close to brand new condos. We live close to brand new condos. And there's even not so brand new duplexes right across the street that... Um, one one plex costs a million fucking dollars and it's like a one bedroom place none of that surprises me but what they're so you, you they're racking up the prices of these places and doing some very minimal kind of um cosmetic updating to the to the city like maybe a new um bench at the bus stop yeah, we did get new benches not too long ago. But the uh, the streets are still kind of falling apart, aren't they? Yes. And at the same time, they have torn down. There used to be a church's chicken and a Popeye's chicken nearby. And those two places were torn down and replaced with a nice new Starbucks. We only have about 12 of them in the area a nice new Starbucks. And then there's um, old houses being torn down and replaced with these ugly, ugly fucking houses. They all look the same. They're just like blocks with huge fucking like single windows over a wall. And it's all just like flat metal exteriors, like just a, a tin layer over the wood. And it's all blocky isn't it like there's no like it's supposed to be um modern architecture sort of but it's just i i think that's another discussion for another day about architecture but i think a lot of modern architecture is kind of trash it's just block it's just blocky shit but anyway yeah um these old places are getting yeah yeah prices and there's like a whole system that goes into uh, this is what happens to any city when the tech industry comes in and it brings in the same sort of silicon valley mentality where money is valued more than the pulse of a city and i think that that's really important to recognize and to notice like technology is great and it's beautiful and i'm so glad for those very smart people that are able to do that because there's absolutely no way i could i think it's kind of boring myself but to have people that that's their passion it's beautiful it just there are repercussions for every action for every company that comes in a little bit of what made a place that place seems to be disappearing and what made a place the place that it is? It's the people. It's all of the different types of people that make a place what it is. 
the the United States is a melting pot. So every single different type of person builds into this beautiful painting. However, um, people are getting pushed out because they can't afford to live in a place anymore because say new, like nice new condos are being built, new construction companies and, and property owners come in and build these new places and charge. They just charge way more for say these condos or they will build, um, they will tear down old mom and pop stores uh, more family-owned places. They will buy those families out because those families are, say, already under an enormous uh, weight of debt. Yeah, property taxes are insane here. Property taxes are insane in Austin and Texas in general. Um, Wouldn't know. I don't own anything. Property tax. Property taxes are huge in Texas because there's no state income tax. Okay. That, that does make sense to me. So the Texas Republican libertarian thing is, well, taxes, you know, taxation is theft. And, and you know, we don't, we, we need to shrink government and we're going to, you know, we're not going to charge you state income tax, but they still need the fucking tax money somewhere. So they rack up property taxes and that's why apartments get so fucking expensive my question is i know that a lot of people around the united states look at texas as like a mecca to buy houses but are they aware of the property tax values like the cost probably not people are fucking dumb let's take a quick water break we'll be right back and we're back for round two, feeling refreshed, hydrated, a little cooled off with the AC on. Have it turned off for uh, sound purposes for you, the listener and or listener slash viewer. Um, so the reason I was asking these things about like your history and what it was like and gentrification and all of that stuff is I was trying to slowly dive into uh, the subject of something you touched on, which is institutional racism. Mm -hmm. And I was also trying to bring in um, class issues, which are tied into institutional racism. It's all, um, to use an, yet another $2 word, intersectional. All these things are intersectional. Um, so racism, r racial inequality falls under, um, so if, if things were a hierarchy of injustices, racial injustice falls under economic injustice. Um, and I will touch on that a bit more here in a bit, but I think to like really paint the picture of um, what uh, what institutional um, and economic injustice is to really dive into it, we'd have to go back to like the beginning of human culture yeah. and uh, especially into the Middle Ages through feudalism into um, the Industrial Age and 
um, capitalism becoming primary modes of economic, uh, primary way of um, distributing surplus and wealth in a society. But uh, that's a long fucking discussion. I'm also not that great at history. So if you didn't know from the last episodes that I've been on that I'm not a historian, I studied comparative cultural studies. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I took some notes before this. So let me read off the notes that I took and and then we can dive in. Um, June 3rd, 2020, Pod with Emily, Talking Points Memo. Um Cops make us uncomfortable. We did that. Oh, yeah. I didn't even say, yeah, cops make me feel tense, like my muscles tense up and my heart rate will spike if I'm driving by, if there's a cop anywhere around. Um, I mean, I've dealt with cops. I've been in jail for 26 hours. I've been through the court system a couple times um, for a nonviolent I, I don't know that I would call it an offense because I was actually the fucking victim in this thing, but I got fucked nonetheless. Yes, I've never been arrested, but I have went to court once and the police testified in my defense. Well, lucky you. I was not so lucky. <laughs> in my case, the police, and it was all here in Austin, um, lied. Yeah. They lied on their paperwork. They lied in action. They lied... They fucking lied and lied and lied. Um, so fuck them. Not all, not all. But yeah, you can't say all of them uh, because not everyone is bad in any group of human beings. Although they are not a group of humans, they decided this. This is a career choice. Mm -hmm. But I do think accountability is an issue. And if a doctor makes a mistake, they have to admit that and they deal with the repercussions i think it should be the same in any way like as as a person that works in a restaurant if i were to make a mistake and someone were to become injured then that would fall on me so fuck the institution and fuck the institutions that mm, influence the institution yeah i agree i mean systems at play do need to be reformed. There's the school to prison pipeline that needs to be reformed. And, and, and not even to mention fucking for profit prisons, which is oh, a God. fucking crime against humanity. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, let's get, I'm just going to read off these notes. Uh, George Floyd slash lynching. Um, Amy, Amy Klobuchar, county attorney, uh, systemic racism, racism as a form of class warfare, um, and then America is a failed social experiment. Um, this one and the sub bullets I'm about to read off about that, I'm borrowing from the fucking wonderful uh, professor um, Cornell West. I am saw him on like a news spot recently and he was talking about these things and I said, oh, this would be great for this episode. So America is a failed social experiment. Uh, we have uh, 
capitalist economy not delivering lives of decency for all. We have the criminal justice system and legal system not generating um, rights and not protecting uh, rights of liberty and equality and justice for all. Uh, We have culture which is all market-driven, where everything is a commodity and we're all consumers and we're also commodities. Everything is for sale. Um, and, and a sub-bullet to that is um, this market-driven culture, which is a product of all of the above, capitalist economy, the system, everything. Um, this culture cannot deliver nourishment for our souls. It does not give us purpose and meaning. Um, It's all superficial, self-serving, self-consuming, and untenable. Um, We have following the rules and doing things peacefully, you know, doing the system the way it wants to be done and is supposed to be done. It doesn't work. And clearly, peaceful protest doesn't work either. Um, And it changes nothing. Um, The system cannot reform itself. It will not and clearly cannot reform itself. Um, We have neo-fascists. We have neoliberals, which are centrists and centrist Democrats who choose, and I know plenty of people who refer to themselves as progressives, but they are very much your average neo-libs, which use identity politics as a way to avoid um, any material, real change. It's saying nice things and doing nothing. It's all aesthetics, and it's superficial with no substance. Um, And then, let's see. We've got, moving away from those sub-bullets, we have uh, the pandemic. Government does nothing about it. We have the Greatest Depression, the Great Depression, which we it still hasn't really hit us yet, but already um, it is worse mm, than think, the Great Depression. I, I mean, it's hit us, but it's not reached its full apex, is what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people are grappling with the economic implications of a pandemic currently. There are so many people unemployed right now with nothing to do because there are no jobs. We'll get into that here in a bit because this stuff all ties in together. Um, So the government spits on those who are actually in in need. That's how they respond to this greatest depression. Um, And then we have the past two weeks of or a week and a half of protests, um, and then a need for a clear, moral, consistent um, vision and leadership for positive change to use the energy of these protests, lest without those things, this will yet again be just another venting session where nothing changes. So let's talk about George Floyd, why don't you tell me, as my token, not black, black, about the the George Floyd murder slash lynching. In Minneapolis, 
video was leaked of a gentleman who had been detained by police after a call had come in of a fake bill. It, uh, store owner called saying the guy was trying to pass a uh, fake $20 bill. I want it to be known also that most times with fake bills, uh, the people spending them are not the ones that make them. Uh, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. And also, I, I heard elsewhere that, like, the store owner also said he's pretty sure that George didn't know it was a fake bill. Nobody would be trying to use one of them, but whatever. And these police officers showed up, pulled him, dragged him from his car, and proceeded to, after he was in the the police car pulled him out of that. Yeah, they put him in the car. Like, they hit him first, right? And then put him in the car, and he was, like, already kind of dazed or or passed out or something? I don't think he was passed out. I do think he was a little, like, stunned. Uh, And then they had him on the ground. So they had him in the car, and then they stopped and took him out? How did that happen? They dragged him. Then they had him on the... They just randomly stopped and, and said, okay... Let's pull him out and beat the fuck out of him. Pretty much. That's what they do. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they had him out of the car. And one of the gentlemen who had previous charges for this sort of thing before killing a Native American. Um, the white guy? Yes. So there were two cops. There was a, a white cop and I, an, Asian cop. an Asian. I heard maybe Hmong, but I'm not sure. For sure. I'm not sure. But the white cop kneeled on his neck. And he was saying he could not breathe. And he proceeded to keep kneeling on his neck until the man went unconscious, even though he was yelling for his mom. It was extremely disturbing footage, which we were all privy to a few of the internet. And I strongly suggest that you don't watch that because it is bad. So the thing is, first, um, the both of those officers, the, the Asian guy and the white guy, the... Huh? They both had previous issues of like shooting and or beating people um, completely unprovoked. Both of these guys had prior, as far as I know. I know for sure the white guy, but I'm pretty sure. Like I was, I I, I got confused because this is all fucked up and there's so many fucked up things. There are a lot of stories out right now of this sort of thing. This past week's been brutal. So, um, so they dragged George Floyd out of the back they beat the shit out of him first at least the white guy did yeah. and then they pinned him face down on the street on the asphalt and the white cop who's who's a big boy um kneeled on him with his knee on the back of floyd's neck grinding it in with yeah. his full weight in the video and he had his knee on the back of his neck for about nine minutes straight Yeah, and he ended up asphyxiating. They can call it whatever they want, uh, an autopsy. He he choked to death. Asphyxiating is not being able to breathe and then dying, right? Yes, although one autopsy tried to say that it was an underlying thing. It was not. Um, I'm going to tell you that. Because George Floyd had some, like, uh, like, He'd had some heart issues before, and then um, even CNN was rolling some shit about like, well, maybe it wasn't the knee to the neck that killed George Floyd. It might have been that he just had a a heart issue flare up. An independent autopsy already proved that was uh, bullshit. So, yeah. And we all witnessed to this. 
and it's caused a lot of unrest. But that was not the only case that we've seen. We have Brianna, who was an EMT and was murdered by police who went to her house, had a no-knock warrant because they believed that there were drugs for someone that they already had in custody. And real quick, real quick, where was this? When was this? And what did Brianna look like? She was an African-American woman, and I feel like she's gotten the least attention. When and where? Louisville, Kentucky. Kentucky. Mm-hmm. When? I believe May 30th. It was May, late May. So cops just went in and shot her. Yes. Well, they shot through the doors and stuff. They didn't have, yeah, it was not a good time. So then, um, now, after the Floyd thing, what happened to, let's focus on the white cop who murdered George Floyd. What happened to him legally? Nothing. Until Nothing. Nothing until people started protesting. Uh, he was getting a lot of people outside of his house because people were furious. They'd all, you know, we're all unemployed, like watching this happen. But before that happened, this video went viral online. Mm-hmm. And then after the video went viral, the the white cop and the Asian one both got fired, right? No. I'm pretty sure they got fired. They They got fired. I thought they were on paid leave. No, no, no. They got fired, but only after the thing went viral and people started um, showing up outside his house. And all sorts of other cops started barricading around the house and pushing back. They had to protect him. They protected him. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to, but Mm -hmm. they did it. Um, so the only reason that these guys got fired, as far as I know, I'm pretty sure they got fired, was after people started getting really pissed off about it. Um, and then, uh, people started saying like, why is this guy not getting charged right now? I think it's important to note that something else had happened recently with Ahmad Arbery and his case would not have been addressed had it not gone viral as well. That was in Hotlanta, Georgia, right? It was in Georgia. It was in a smaller place in Georgia, but Georgia. Okay. Um, so then the, I forget, like, I forget if it's like the mayor or the like, County attorney. No, I'm I'm talking about uh, going back to Minneapolis. No, this is an older dude, white guy. Um, He was saying like, oh, we will. um, We we're not going to rush justice. We're going to let justice happen. No, it was a he was like the county attorney, Um, which actually that. I'm pretty sure he was the county attorney, but I know for sure one former county attorney of Minneapolis, Minnesota was Amy Klobuchar, who very well might be um, the um, uh, Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden's pick for his vice president. Amy Klobuchar 
was the county attorney when these two cops, both of them had like two previous issues before where they, with unprovoked violence, where they like, I'm pretty sure, did they kill that guy? They killed the Native American man, yes. They killed a Native American man, and you seem to know more about that than me. I mean, I I read about it, yes. What do, what do you remember? What did you read? I don't remember the details currently, but I read I read the previous charges that were up and was disgusted. So, and the thing is, these were uh, issues where these guys should have been charged and should have been held accountable and should have not been police anymore at all. However... Amy Klobuchar chose to do nothing. nothing, zilch, zero. She let them off and gave them back their guns and put them back out on the street to go and fucking lynch people like George Floyd. I don't think that Biden will have her as his pick after this incident. I would not be so quick to assume that. I know. I know, I know, I know, and not not the person I would have liked, but I don't think that the people that are in charge of his campaign will go for that right now with the current situation at hand. I don't think the people in charge of his campaign know what's going on and if or if they do fucking care at all because they're getting their money yeah they're getting their money okay so that's happened while at the same time for the past what two two and a half months um the united states has been under more or less lockdown so the hard quarantine well, as hard as it got, lasted for like a month, right? Because of, two was it two, two months? months? It was from March until the restrictions got lifted about two weeks ago. Okay, so about two months of supposed quarantine. And most people didn't obey it. Most, a lot of people did not obey it. Um, and, and it was up to the state's discretion. Meanwhile, the federal government did nothing. They got n- n- no tests. N- n- they like actively did things beforehand, before it became a problem. When they knew it was going to become a problem in the United States, they actively did things to try to make money that backfired on them. And they just said, oh, well, and then left everyone else to fucking get sick and die. Which, speaking of people dying from um, coronavirus, COVID-19, there seems to be a disproportionate number of brown people dying compared to people who are white. Yes, African-American and Hispanic people are the most hospitalized and dying the most. And even before the pandemic started, that was the case because these people generally don't have a lot of money, don't have a lot of education, and thus don't get a lot of health insurance. And they usually don't have access to great um, health care places, right? Yeah. Imagine you're poor already, you're given government insurance which is 
trash. And you go to the doctors, but the doctor's already overbooked. You're like... Current, current government insurance. Not to say that Medicare for oh, all no. would be trash. No. You said government insurance uh. is trash. So I'm like, I just want to make sure that dumb fucks don't get oh. this twisted. No. You got to be aware. There's a lot of... You're fucking stupid. Yeah, you. <laughs> Well, you know, I wasn't talking about that one. I was talking about the current systems at play because we have overworked doctors that have too many cases on their hands and usually they're just kind of burnt out. And the people that go to the doctor, they don't have a lot of money. You have a copay, a super high copay. You're not going to be able to make a trip to go see the doctor every six months like you're supposed to if you have no money for it when you have to worry about groceries versus a doctor. So basically, um, it's kind of a um, oh, sort of an ethnic cleansing being used by some people. Like some, I mean, you can't say that you know powers that be, uh, not all of them, but certain powers that be are not using uh, this pandemic as a fucking ethnic cleansing. I remember watching like a month and a half ago a stream from a black prisoner at a prison in Ohio that I told you about this. And he was saying like, basically, they're leaving us here to fucking die. We're supposed to be social distancing, but they're putting us all into these cells and go ahead. Let's not pretend that COVID's not running rampant in prisons right now rampant they're doing nothing and this guy and he was there was a sick person who was clearly dying in his cell uh, with like uh three other people in there and he said basically the cops were just all leaving because quarantine was supposed to start happening they weren't giving anyone masks um and the guys just said like they're just leaving us here to fucking die they're trying to kill us yeah I mean, you can't socially distance when you're that close to that many people. Also, if you do have that and you're that close, you're a presumptive positive case immediately. Like you're going to have it is what they're going to assume unless you already have the antibodies, which we don't even know what that means yet. So also um, due to this, there was already an economic collapse coming. And it was already happening. It was just further uh, agitated by the presence of a fucking uh, deadly novel viral pandemic. Uh, but we were already facing an economic collapse and a heavy recession, light depression. However, with the um, the pandemic, this we're facing. Uh, a great depression that is actually worse than like the great depression is like numbers wise. Yep. Going to turn into my grandma right now. There are, um, last I heard 43 million people without a job right now. Yeah. That's what I think. That's what I heard too. And the most that we are getting from the government, the most assistance, like there's barely any tests or anything. And the most assistance we get is a one-time check for $1,200, which for many people doesn't even pay a single month of rent. I would like to say I had to get a COVID test because we had some cases, but 
one, it's miserable. It is the worst test I've ever had in my entire life. But I was able to get that. My friends in Ohio, there aren't enough tests there. Like nobody I know has been able to get tested in Ohio. Nobody. So there are people who are being socially distanced and quarantined for public health um, and we're just at home and we're going crazy. We can't do our lives as usual. Businesses, especially small businesses, are shutting down for good. They're done. They're gone. Even the when the announcement happened, I remember hearing about here in Austin, a number of bars, and I knew people who know people who worked at these bars, a number of them, as soon as the quarantine was announced, uh, were like, well, I'm fucked. They, they shut down like, that was it. They're I done. A lot, I know a lot of people that had to leave because they have no jobs, no potential here. And the rent's too damn high. Yeah. And, and I'd say it's especially too damn high because this city does not offer the fucking amenities and certainly not the uh, infrastructure to justify how fucking expensive it is here. I can say that I miss like the first few weeks after quarantine where there were less cars on the road. That was really nice. Less cars on the road and a lot of people realizing like the ones who were fortunate enough to be able to work from home. Um, I was hearing a lot of people and I've talked about it on here before. I was hearing a lot about like how people were just realizing, oh, I've just been running around all the time for like no good reason. And like I'm getting getting yeah, getting stressed for no good reason just because it was habit. And then the quarantine sort of forced them to just like just fucking chill for a minute. And like that sort of magically uh, made them start realizing, wait, oh, I've got all this stuff around me, all this life. And it started making people reevaluate um, what really matters to them. Although I will say uh, for a lot of us who are have our mental health issues, uh, this time has been extremely difficult and I feel for anyone who is feeling it right now, it it's hard. That's too. So people's mental health has been exacerbated, especially if, like you, they are still forced to work. And fuck, fuck, fuck the people who say essential workers and the people still working are brave. Fuck that. They're, sure, yeah, they're brave. If you can call fucking prisoners brave they have no other fucking option but to work because we are all under such immense fucking debt and everything is so fucking expensive and we already have no economic fucking future and the fact that we, they now have to go out and risk their fucking lives risk their fucking health to work in the middle of a fucking pandemic they are prisoners they are slaves as a person who has to work and has been working during the pandemic, would you agree with those statements? Uh, yes and no. I'd say I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to socialize in a distance capacity. I can say that it is extremely stressful. Like the amount of stress that I'm under constantly is a lot. But I mean, like, what if, just what if, 
um, you were getting, say, like $2,000 a month checks and your medical care and all your financial stuff taken care of. And you even had a job prospect ready and waiting for you, one that looked pretty good to you, um, ready and waiting once the pandemic officially ended. Would you still voluntarily choose to work in the middle of a pandemic? No. That's why I say you're a prisoner. I would just Skype my friends. I would just video message my friends, and I would probably feel a little bit less pressure every day to, like, pretend to be happy. So people are stressed and scared, and mental health has become a huge issue. Uh, People are lonely, um, understimulated, and also, not only that, but people are losing their jobs. They're afraid they might lose their jobs at any second, or maybe they've been furloughed, but don't know that if their job indeed really will exist once the pandemic is officially announced over. Or if they won't be replaced by hiring done during this time because people are desperate and they do want to work. People are desperate and they do want to work, not because they want to work at that specific job, but because they have to, because they have no other option unless they want to become homeless, which is um, not homeless people are not taken care of in this country and especially not in Texas. No, not here, not in LA, not in Chicago, not anywhere. Nowhere. Um, We are an inhumane country. Inhumane system, I should say. Um, So there's all that. And there's all this pressure, all this stuff happening. And um, and then there was uh, Ahmed in Georgia... There was a new case that I heard about today um, that happened in Jacksonville right before New Year's, too. But I cannot remember his name. So anyway, this shit is happening all the time where there is excessive police brutality. And also the police are getting more and more militarized. And cities, even like Austin, Texas, I was looking at uh, where the city budget goes to the most in Austin. Where do you think um, most of the budget, the largest percentage? It's all the police. I looked at that, too. All the police, every fucking city, rather than bumping up, you know, uh, parks and recreation. The library. Li- uh, the library was like a fucking sliver. It was barely there. I made that huge. <laughs> and, um, you know, social workers, uh, infrastructure, all of this stuff gets fucking crumbs. Whereas the police department gets so much fucking money and they generate money and well, the prisons also generate money and that's all linked together. And uh, let's see what else. And they're getting stuff that the military isn't using anymore. So they're getting kitted out with gas masks, flashbangs, uh, tear gas, which by the way, the military like tear gas globally in in a bunch of countries, at least, tear gas is um, illegal to use in wartime. It's it's thought of as like uh, 
a war crime, a crime against humanity, much like mustard gas. Tear gas cannot be used in a fucking war zone. Yet, 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 a bunch of unarmed protesters just standing around holding up signs and chanting something can get fucking tear gas shot at them. Yeah. And rubber bullets. And and wooden bullets. And wooden bullets. And bean backgrounds. Which are all referred to as less lethal. Less lethal. Not non-lethal, less lethal. And also um, salt pellets out of shotguns. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, um, there's like a specific, like if you're using one of these types of ammo, you're supposed to be a certain distance away to make it non-lethal however over the past week a bunch of people have or a bunch of cops have been uh not adhering to those uh distance rules there's been a lot of shooting in the face a lot of shooting in the face uh, a woman had a miscarriage here in austin she got a uh, pregnant woman got shot in the mm-hmm. stomach with a beanbag round and started crying my baby my baby did you find that she actually was because i heard about another lady and she's okay another pregnant woman that was hit. Oh no, there was another one that had a miscarriage. Okay. Um, there was a deaf person who got blinded in one eye, point blank, with a rubber bullet to the eye. Uh, there was. There's a teenager who's in critical condition. It's fucking insane. The cops across the country, as these protests are happening, um, they're cosplaying they're larping like they're fucking playing soldier they're playing soldier well and then the national guard comes in and we have threats from the president so all this is going on um and uh, people are finally fucking rising up this has been coming for decades decades because it's uh, there's racial injustice, which is a tool for uh, economic injustice. Because it's not just uh, shootings happening just in poor black communities or poor Latino communities. It happens there's more shootings and arrests in poor white communities as well. So it's a class issue and class consciousness in this country is woefully like very fucking low yeah um and so the george floyd thing was just sort of like a spark that set off this powder keg that was just getting filled up and filled up and filled up and filled up and right now um there's protests across the world actually there are protests in all 50 states in the U.S., of the U.S. Um, there are protests in cities in Europe. I've even seen, like, aren't there some demonstrations in China? I haven't seen the China ones, but I know in London and in Germany. There's been a lot in Germany. They're all over Europe. I know in that. Canada. Yeah. Canada's protesting for us, too. And I just want to say thank you. So... <clears throat> Shit's fucking wild, man. What a time to be alive. Um, and the reason all this has happened is because we 
are clearly in a system that was created to keep poor people down. And one of the ways you keep poor people down is by keeping them distracted. So they aren't paying attention to who is really making their lives uncomfortable and difficult. You sow discord, you blame, uh, or say, uh, you've got property owners and, and media newspaper owners and stuff like this, very, very, very wealthy people with a lot of influence who influence law, who buy um, politicians because politicians have to rely on money to get elected uh, because that's the fucking loophole that has been exploited and blown further open over a hundred years, over a hundred years in the United States. Well over. Tammany Hall, all that shit. Well over 100 years. Since the very beginning. <laughs> uh, I think it was built in. Yeah. Um, and um, so say you don't want, see, white people are getting pissed off because their lives are tough. And their lives are tough because they're not making a lot of money, but they're having to work really fucking hard and not have any time to rest. So the white people are going to get pissed off and say, why am I not getting paid more for my work? It's you, boss man, business owner. And they don't, business owner doesn't want that to happen. So they'll start blaming it on black people. So the white people get pissed off at the black people. And maybe vice versa, black people are pissed off about their poor living conditions. And so... Um, people who have power and influence over their lives and who have power and influence over how much money and how comfortable black people's lives are, uh, they don't want black people looking at them. So they say, oh, it's the white people's fault. So they get poor black people fighting poor white people and vice versa. And I remember even in the 2000s hearing like uh, there was a South Park episode with the Mexicans. They took all our jobs blaming immigrant Mexicans for coming in and working less than minimum fucking wage. Yeah. I I don't like the blaming of other races. Like we are oppressed because of the higher powers it be, not because of any specific person. The only way that we all can be happier is if we push for a change together. All we have is each other. And that change, unlike what your standard Democrats, neoliberals will say, um, it is not in identity politics. It is not in being politically correct all the time. It is not on adhering to bubbles of like intersectional uh, theory and politics and all this stuff, although there is intersectional politics because these things all intersect. All these problems intersect in the same fucking place, and that is political economy. The economy, the structure of the way our economy works, the way um, commodities are distributed, and the way wealth is distributed with, by, and for, and among those commodities influences our political policies, our legal policies, and our legal policies influence the economy, hence a political economy. And what we have now is 
capitalism. And capitalism has tried to fix capitalism time and time again because it keeps fucking failing. They've We've tried... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, regulations. Regulations just get swept under the rug because there are fundamental issues in the law in our, in our government policy that get fucking exploited. So then regulations, uh, they're clearly weren't good enough because they're not here anymore. The, the wealthy got a huge fucking bailout after the economy collapsed. Oh yeah. Um, an unprecedented amount, what, $4 trillion to, uh, companies to select people that didn't need the fucking money. Too damn much for people that don't do anything. Too damn much for people who exploit the work of other people and the work other people are working harder and harder and harder and their quality of living is going down and down and down because they keep getting so much fucking debt because things kept keep getting so much more expensive and we are all viewed as fucking consumers we are not viewed as human beings. We are not viewed as individuals. You are not Emily. I am not James. We are consumers. That's the way our fucking government even refers to us, is consumers. Because the way our government is set up is it's in, it, it, its concern is keeping the economy afloat, not our fucking spirits afloat. I mean, we're consumers and we're the ones being consumed. Well put. Everything's for fucking sale. And it pisses me off. I've always been pissed off at commercials. But you and I have been especially pissed off at COVID-19 commercials. They are fucking trying to make a buck off of people's death and fucking suffering. A, a, a fucking corporation, a fucking brand, you cannot... like. I'm not going to feel good about fucking McDonald's telling me, hang in there, have a good time, because the, the, at the end of the fucking day, the reason that McDonald's is making that COVID-19 uh, hang in there commercial is because they want me to think about them so that I go and give them fucking money. Yeah. I mean, the, the COVID commercials got to stop. It's like, it's like um, when, uh, like, Pride is happening, like uh, uh, which is this month? Which is this month? Pride Happy is happening, Pride and all these different fucking brands, like um, you'll see it on Twitter, like all these different huge corporations, they'll put like a rainbow into their logo image, and and they will support, and you'll see them at fucking uh, pride parades, you know, waving their fucking brands. And the thing is, these people, they're function is not to fucking make those people's lives better or to increase equality for them. Those companies function to make more and more and more money. And the way that's possible is by making things cheaper because capitalism thrives on competition. And in order to be competitive, you want your products to be less expensive. And do you think a fucking owner of the uh, factory, the means, the person who owns the means of production, the person who owns the factories and machines and the people who, who work there, 
They're not going to take a fucking pay cut. They're going to cut the pay of the workers and make them work longer hours. They also like to uh, donate against those sort of values. They donate against the sort of values who raise awareness that capitalism is the fucking problem. And sure, you have free speech. You can say, I've, I feel like I'm getting not paid well enough and I feel like I'm getting mistreated at work. You know, fuck you. I don't want to work here anymore. And the, uh, or, or fuck you, I want to unionize or fuck you, I want to have a discussion. I want more pay. There are so many people desperate and out of work right now who are dying and who are starving, who have families to take care of. Um, and, and, and they need jobs right now and they're fucking desperate and they will be very much willing to take the job that you don't feel so good about. So you can air your concerns to your boss and they'll say, fuck you, bye. And then hire someone for less than they were paying you. You're expendable. And a lot of people are unhappy with that. A lot of people our age are aware of this. And these are the issues that, say, neoliberals, uh, the, most of the powers that be in the Democratic Party, most of the powers that be that are like kind of like centrist, moderate Republicans, I'm not even going to get started on the fucking fascists, they are against you being aware that they are the problem because they are making a fucking buck off of your, off of exploiting you. And that has to change. You can't just live in a place where buying and selling and being advertised to is everything. You need some kind of fucking meaning for your soul. You need something bigger than yourself to really feel whole about. Otherwise, you will always feel something's wrong. Why am I depressed? Why am I anxious all the time? Why am I suicidal? Human beings are unique and beautiful creatures. We need social interaction. I get that like COVID's got us all a little ramped up and stir crazy and whatever, but we are worth more than money. Money is a, a piece of paper. We deserve love. We deserve happiness. We deserve the pursuit to do what we need to do in our lives to feel fulfilled and happy. And we all deserve equality and justice. And the only way that's possible, the only fucking common sense way that's possible is, I hate to say it, folks, and I'm we're running out of time here, so, I mean, that's a big fucking lesson. Um, socialism. I'm serious. Like, yeah. you got to have... You got to get rid of money and you got to find a way where people live uh, free with liberty, um, with a chance to grow and flourish and be comfortable and happy. I think a lot of people will have issues because they're scared of a universal basic income. I've talked to my friends and they're like, I don't want to get paid that. 
Uh, UBI is not the same as socialism. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I, I, I mean Marxism. Marxist economics solves the problem that is inherent in capitalism. Um, and that's a whole other episode, but I'm just going to lay that out there. You can laugh, you can scoff, you can cry, you can run, hide, but that's it. Marxist economics is the best vehicle toward getting equality and justice for all, which we all deserve. My takeaway from this episode is be kind to each other and be kind to yourselves. Look out for each other. And do something. The, there, uh, there's a disturbing growing presence of fascism, which I've been learning over the past two days, just how many people don't really understand what the fuck fascism is, nor why it's bad. Um, and I can tell you, the only people, fascism and, and white supremacy are considered far right-wing uh, political things. That's just the terminology that's grown with it. The only people who can stop fascists from robbing everyone but a small group of people of their human rights is leftists. Leftists are the only people who are fighting for equality and justice for everyone. But they, the leftists are the only ones who will take real serious tough fucking action to stop the people who want to rob you of your freedom, essentially. Centrists, the ones saying nice words who drag their feet but don't really make any real fucking change, that, that centrist, that do-nothingness, that tiptoeing around, always, and there's a lot of historical precedents, precedents to back this up, the centrism moderation always leads to fascism it does it's the people who do nothing yeah silence speaks volumes um thanks for being my guest let's Thank you. Let's, I gotta let's peace out this you're gonna piss out this biatch uh thanks for tuning in um stay safe um, get active, get smart, do independent research, please. Um, and learn how to do research and learn how to vet the things you research, please. Be fucking smart. Don't be fucking stupid like the people I have to deal with on my Facebook. Okay, I love you. Bye.